Welcome to my favorite podcast with Noah Marger. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. That was uh, that was Drift Away by Uncle Cracker, uh, sung by me, sung by the host of the show. Wow. Hadn't not done that in a fucking minute, dude. Okay, wow. Uh, welcome back to my favorite podcast. This is the podcast about people's favorite things. I'm the host of the show, whether you like it or not. Noah Marger. This is the first podcast that I've recorded for this show since late May. So it's been a little bit. So uh, if you like... If you like that, <laughs> you want me to do more of that, uh, keep it to yourself because I don't want to hear it, but I probably will just continue to do stuff like that. But we're back. Took a little hiatus. Uh, I was traveling around the United States in my shitty car, just vibing around in different places. And then I heard about uh, then I heard about a new friend out in the world named the Delta Variant. And I said... <laughs> I think we're done. I think we're done. I think we're done being in the South for a while. So, uh, hopped back in my car, drove back up to Portland earlier than I had intended. Uh, I think if I if everything had gone the way I had planned, I think I actually would have been landing either back in Portland yesterday or today, as we're recording this, uh, not when this episode comes out. But nonetheless, I had a great trip. I'm gonna con- I'm gonna do the rest of the trip that I had planned when Delta variant isn't you know out and about i want to fuck with that that guy that stupid guy uh but we're back baby i'm happy to be back on the mic happy to be back on the on the track (laughs) happy to be back rapping with my friends drake and kanye and all those guys can't wait to get back in the stew and we got a great guest for the comeback episode this is the thing that everyone has been talking about this has been the the words on everybody's lips people's lips have been simmering they have been everyone has been titillated everyone has been freaking the fuck out about this collab that's about to happen and she's here so i'm gonna introduce her my guest today for the comeback episode of my favorite podcast is a staff writer for merry-go-round magazine and a contributor for both atwood magazine and the L.A. freaking times. That's right. That is that is for real. That no one we didn't make that up. Actually, we have a person on the show who's written for the L.A. Times. Wow! Holy shit! Uh, she's also the storyboard coordinator for an unannounced Netflix show. Okay, so go ahead and keep your peepers peeled for that one. She's a wonderful writer. When I read that L.A. Times article, I was so happy to know her, and I'm so glad that she is on the show today. Please welcome to the show. I was about to say making your podcast debut, but that's not true. Please just welcome to the show regardless, Jesse Herb. Jesse, what is up, girl? Oh my god, what the fuck is up? Hi. Okay, 
you're gonna make you're gonna make me sob. Thank you so much for saying that about my writing. <laughs> oh, um, of course. But I will be mad because this is not my podcast debut. So. Oh, thanks. okay. Yeah. No worries. No, it's cool. Yeah. Like that's actually you, really awesome. Thanks. Are you pissed? Are you mad? Where are you on the spectrum? Like, are you like, oh, I want to, oh, I want to break something? Or are you just like, mm, okay, I'm a little mad. I'm I actually just chewed an iron rod flat out with my only teeth. So yeah, I think I'm a little pissed, a little PO'd, if you will, for the crowd. Get some limp biscuit pumping or whatever, and just <laughs> no, like release no. all the energy you know, or something like that. I, I have so much love and respect for the limp biscuit community, but I am just not a part of it. Like I'm famously just sure. not a part of that community. But I think that's wonderful. I think it's beautiful. Go off, King. I don't know. He he had a very well. I think still does. Do you know he like? He's like a film director now. Did oh you my, know that? Who isn't? Like, I just, saw, <laughs> I, like, I just saw that thing, like, that A24 had done with, like, Cactus Jack, like, Travis Scott is writing oh, something, and yes. I'm like, half the world is pissed, and I'm like, okay, I mean, like, let's, I don't know, okay, but, like, really everyone's directing a film these days. Like, everyone's just like, yeah, let's fucking do it. A twenty four is reaching out to everyone who's ever had a McDonald's meal. It's <laughs> just like BTS, come on out, come on giving in. you a shot, baby. Actually, the, the I would love seat. to watch a movie directed by BTS because there's also famously like so many of them that I'm like, okay, where's the creative control going? What's happening sure. there? Do you um, think that they're like an industry plant in the sense that like there's like a hive mind controlling their every move? I mean, more so than like an average like artist yeah i think are they like are they like a deep state cover for something going on in k-pop again uh as as i ask um what in the society is not a deep state cover i for one am famously and so proud of that but i think that like um yeah born and raised deep (laughs) deep state plant actually but i think like the south korean government i mean like that's not even government the like the south korean industry for them i know is like hyper uh vigilant and incredibly like claws dug in vibes and like it's a it's a pretty serious problem that a lot of their idols have committed suicide because of pressure and things. Oh, so, for real? Damn. Okay. Yeah. A member of Shiny uh, with two E's. Can you get get into this gig? Two E's. Um, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't even. I should not have said that joke because now I have to say something sad. Um, one of the members <laughs> actually. Okay. Yeah. Tragically uh, committed suicide a couple. I think like a year or two ago, and it was like a oh, huge wow. rock. Like it like. I think kind of like shook. I mean, I like it, it happens a couple more times than we'd think, but like, um, yeah. So yes, I think um, there's a lot going on with um, the K-pop industry, and I know it can be pretty um, insidious at times. Uh, I am not wow. an, an aficionado on it, and also like uh, my word probably doesn't mean much, but that is some things that I have overarchingly read about the K-pop industry. I think we got to get in on that. That sounds like a, that sounds like maybe like a like a nice bag for a little bit, and then we can like whistle blow on them or something like that, and like absolutely just like ruin whatever sort of like situation that is. My favorite podcast X crossover whistleblowing <laughs> the South Korean industry. Yeah, absolutely ruining the South Korean government, and like this podcast gets used for like like South Korean like propaganda like going forward like the whole intro changes it's so dour and it's like isn't it such a beautiful day today in South Korea hey why don't we listen to some state sanctioned K-pop to get our fucking blood pumping I would love to know folks. what unstate sanctioned K-pop is like what is what does that entail like anarchist K-pop that hey that's the new that's the new A24 that's, the new A24. that's what them. they're directing actually that's, yes. a, that's actually what uh, what's it called Travis Scott is directing he was like why not man Shit. <laughs> I think that BTS is pissed about that. I've I've heard on the wire, you know, I got my nose to the grindstone yeah. and my ear to the ground. Yeah. BTS is pissed at Travis Scott. As someone who's Drama dated alert. Yeah, as someone who's dated all of them at some point in time, yeah, they're all pretty pissed about it. They're all texting me in our little group chat, our little like orgy group chat, being like, Hey, 
we're kind of pissed about this. I'm like, that's so fair, babe. I get it. You you know way more than you're letting on <laughs> the BTS <laughs> stuff. You know so much, and you are just giving us the tip of the iceberg right now. So And that is called being a woman. Sorry, everybody. That's what it is. <laughs> Sorry. Get Sorry. used to it. Get used to it. <laughs> don't get into this gig for once. Why don't you get into feminism for once? Ever heard of it? Jesus Christ. I don't know if I have, to be honest with you, the way you're describing it. I don't know if I have heard of knowing a lot about BTS and not sharing it as a form of feminism, but I'm here for it. I'm going to say one name for you, Noah. How about Gloria Steinem? Why don't you look into that for once? My God. Okay. I'll, say one other, I'll, say one, I'll say one other name for you. Tom freaking Brady. Wow. <laughs> oh I'll say, okay, how about another name? Uh, I don't know. I can't think. Those are literally the only two people I know. Gloria Those are the only people that Tom exist, Brady. actually. In some ways. Um, <laughs> let's not talk about this. <laughs> okay. Let's actually move on so much. Let's, okay. <laughs> let's move on in a huge way. In a um, big way. Jesse, can I ask you Noe's question? Noah, when I tell you we as a society have been waiting for you to ask Noe's question, I just, like, we're rattled. So please ask me Noe's question already. What is Noe's question? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Noe's question. I'm glad everyone. <laughs> I'm glad everyone was waiting on bated breath for Alexander. I was not to expecting that at all. <laughs> yeah, the little, the little theme, the little ba da ba ba ba. Is that you? No, that's Alexander Barrett. Oh, okay. On the the first ever episode of this podcast, which was released in May of 2020, I didn't have any theme, anything. I was just like flying by the seat of my pants, and so Alexander was my first guest on the show, wow. and I said to him like, "Will you give me?" the intro right now wow. for Noe's question. And he, you know, didn't know I was going to ask him that. So he just was like, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. And he just, you know, straight up went with the McDonald's jingle and I As one fucked does. around with it. Yeah. As you have to do when you are absolutely flying by the seat of your pants, <laughs> right. just pissed right. that you're on the spot. So, <laughs> you actually got into the stew after that with Jack Antonoff and made whatever this jingle was gorgeous. Yeah, Kenny Beats was there. I was in the cave. No. It was awesome. No, not Kenny. <laughs> were you saying no to me? No, no Kenny no, Beats is didn't. great. No, Kenny Beats is great. <laughs> There's no Kenny Beats slander today. You're thwarting off sort of a villain, the villain of the podcast. I right know. Now, I know. Way. I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry, everybody. Well, who is the villain of the podcast right now? Who's trying to get? Who's trying to get over there? We got a little dog situation. right? Yeah, we, we have a, a little Greta situation us. who's begging me uh, for attention right now. But um, yeah, I think she's one of those. Um, what is it? Kind of like um, one of those villains that's like, her intentions are good. Oh, hey. sure. Yeah. She's well-intentioned. And those are honestly, those are the most evil people in right. the entire <laughs> world. People who are trying to do a good job and are just like freaks. Right, who know? are literally like my, like, my reasoning makes sense, but then my like execution is actually just truly horrific and slightly just an awful like <laughs> ideology. Yeah, just um, a slow decline of everything. Right, right. Okay, well, can I ask you fucking Noe's question? Fucking now? ask me Noe's question. What are we doing okay. here? All right, Noe's question. We're talking about something today called the Golden Girls. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe, maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've know. heard of it. Maybe you've heard of it. Is that such a crime to hear of the Golden Girls? No. I don't think so. Uh, the Golden Girls live in Miami, Florida. They are retirees. And so my question for you, Jesse, is if you could retire anywhere in the world, where would you like to retire <sighs> Oh my fucking god! <laughs> that just blew your mind. That just blew my little mind. I don't have a skull yeah. anymore. How do you spell oh sir fucking frontal cortex? Okay. Um. Oh my god. Um. Okay. What's up? You know what's funny? Um. 
What's funny? Unlike a lot of you, I actually famously grew up in the Bay Area, California, um, which is where sure. I am currently. Yeah. Um, and when I um, I grew up in uh, the small a small town whose statistic is the most Republican square capita of any city in the Bay Area. Um, oh wow! Okay, super fun. So shout cool. out it means I love it here. <laughs> Let me tell you something right now. Being queer here, the most fun you could ever have in your life. Um, I can't even imagine <laughs> the things that you would get into in that little town it's so fun. wow yeah Amazing. yeah a lot of people are uh, getting blown behind the golden skate okay um anyway uh when i was a kid i would when i would or like in middle school my friends and i would take bart we'd go to berkeley and like some of the old houses down there are beautiful and i always thought sure. about like yeah they're like Victorian and cool and very very interesting their balls expensive but they're gorgeous and I was always like I'm gonna retire there and then wow. um, I okay. learned about property ownership and how much it actually costs and it probably will never happen but sure. I think living in an ideal fantasy actually I'm gonna throw you a little curveball because you threw okay. one to me I think okay. if I could retire anywhere I would want to retire in Dublin Ireland actually what the fuck? I know. <laughs> See, I told you that little what? anecdote to distract you. I told you that little facet to distract you, actually. Um, okay. Because sometimes when you're a kid, Noah, things actually famously change for once, and you need to be ready for it. This what thing called fuck? life hits you. Um, what, who, <laughs> am I, who am I on your show right now? What the fuck is happening? It's so um, fucked yeah. up. Okay. Yeah. What's up with Dublin, Ireland, though? Dublin what the Island, hell is going on? So, okay, um, for the past, like, two years i've been watching this like one irish a couple of irish youtubers and i've been like there's nothing here for me but there kind of is and i just i like that it has a lot of historical architecture um i like that it's kind of part forest part city i'm a city nice. person in the way of like blow exhaust into my little mouth i love yep. it all there um but also um throwing the curveball i love rain like i really love there rain. we go yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. i could go to the pacific northwest but uh, I've never been to Portland. Shame, huge shame for me. What the hell? I know I'm a piece of shit. Um, yep. But yep. I've been to <laughs> I've been to Seattle um, and Seattle. Okay, that make, that doesn't make you feel better. No, 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 that, that doesn't make you feel um, But Seattle, like gorgeous, love it. Um, because I grew up pretty close to San Francisco, I felt like there's a lot of similarities between those two cities. So I'm like, for sure, it'd be kind of like you know similar vibe. And I I like that. Um, Dublin, Ireland is actually not in America, shockingly enough, and I okay, love that yeah. fact as well. So, yeah. um, plus, Irish accents are sexy, so there's like there's a lot of win-win for me there. But I just like the idea of having like a little apartment to retire to that's rainy and I can write, and it's the city, but I can still go to the forest if I'm really feeling exactly. that vibe for myself. So I think that's it for me. You know, you and I actually have not in terms of geo not in terms of like like longitude and latitude we have a similar answer but we actually have a very similar answer in terms of like just overall vibe i think because right. i'm in the pacific northwest right now grew up in the pacific northwest I oh love... i didn't know that yeah yeah i grew up like just outside of portland oh like, okay, in the okay 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 yeah so i'm like pacific northwest i wasn't born here but i like grew up like most of my life yeah same real life you know in right. the pacific northwest but when I was just on this trip, haha, ha -ha. Uh, I got to I got to go <laughs> to some places that were similar but different enough where I felt like, oh, this is like very cool, and I felt like, oh, I'm very used to like this vibe. Yeah. And I don't know. There's just, I mean, 
I'm glad neither of us are saying, let's stay in L.A., let's no. retire in uh, L.A. God. What an absolutely atrocious thought to be there for the next, like, 50, 60 50, years. 50, 60 years. I think, like, L.A. is so fun, but also it's just so fucking expensive. And also, like, yeah, and it's just, like, I have no hope of retiring, like, in a house there, like, maybe, maybe an apartment. But even then, it's, like, I just, I don't know. It's, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things. It's, it's. A lovely city, tons of history. Don't want to negate that for one single second. But yeah, I'm yeah. like retiring here. I'm there. I'm just like, could I even afford it? And then what would I do? Like, right, exactly. Yeah. You spend all your retirement on a house that is a probably a piece of shit house well, because it's probably it's like, like so expensive. Truly, that's like okay. Here's a one bedroom house with like a very tiny bathroom, and you don't have a laundry hookup, and it's also probably gonna like you know it'll be weird electricity and you'll only have spectrum fucking internet so have fun and i'm like okay great love that for me and Um, all your neighbors are like the worst people that have ever lived (laughs) in their entire life because they also retired in la they're just trying to fucking make it work honestly we're all just trying to make it work um but yeah so yes not longitudinal whatever not longitudinal latitude uh, but yes, like vibe for sure. Well, I was actually what I was gonna what I was gonna say oh, is oh. oh, what I was gonna fucking say Jeez. is Denver, Colorado, one of the coolest places on earth. Have you ever been? No, but I actually just had um, casual sex with some guy from Denver, Colorado, and he told me the exact same thing. Okay, let's go into that. Okay, where, <laughs> where did you where did you meet this guy you just had casual sex with? Um, Hinge.com, famously. Great. Um, yeah, no, he was a total sweetheart. We like met on hinge and flirting for a while. And then he was like, Hey, like I'm only here a week. One of those. And do you want to, do you want to hang out? And I was like, okay. And then, um, I thought everybody else is having their hot girl summer. I'm vaccinated. This was like June. So I was like, okay. And then I wrote it and it was great. Damn. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Honestly. Was that the way you was that the way you kicked off fully vaxxed summer? <laughs> was by was by doing that. No, actually, the way I kicked off fully vaxxed summer was I dated this guy who was horrible to me. So okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's redemption kind of, arc. Though, <laughs> yeah, redemption arc. Like. Honestly, yeah. Um, but Denver, Colorado, is amazing for a lot of the same reasons where that you were outlining is that it's a city. I'm a very much would like to live in a city because I would need that you know things to be able to right, do, go right. out and do, but. You've got the forest. You've got mountains. Right. You don't necessarily have the ocean, which is something that I would like to be able to access. You yeah. Know, when, you yeah. Know, that's always just nice being on the West Coast, but really a beautiful place. And then there's a lot of beautiful places in North Carolina. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Have you been to North Carolina? Yeah, actually. Okay. When I was um, a kid, my my dad's family used to meet for family reunions every like five to seven years. Um, I only went two or three times because they stopped doing it as we got older, but sure. um yeah, and we went to the Outer Banks in North Carolina, um, okay. and it yeah. was so, I mean, gorgeous, beautiful. It's like Nancy Myers' film. It's it is. astounding. It's amazing. I've spent a little bit of time. I haven't actually been out to like the co- like the coastline of mm-hmm, North Carolina mm-hmm. yet. That's where I'd like to go next, but spent a little bit of time in Charlotte, and then I spent yeah. a little bit of time in Asheville, North yes, Carolina, yes. which is just like can't believe that you're technically in the south when you're in yeah, Asheville, North yeah Carolina. my i don't know why but my mom keeps referring to Asheville as the lesbian capital of the united states my mom is not a lesbian so i'm like why do you keep saying that? that's that's a crazy thing to say i buy it though to be honest <laughs> with you my time there like i i kind of buy that actually that's a very interesting little note well, no as the kind Asheville. of spokesperson for the lesbian community i think you can say that 
I think, well, I should be allowed to say whatever I want. I want. Who's going to censor me? Who's going to censor me? Yeah, I'm Um, a truth teller, actually, in the the most broad sense of the word, so I should be allowed to say whatever the fuck fuck I I want, want. whenever I want. Um, My sibling also, um, they've lived in, oh my God, California most of their life. They live in Emeryville right now. Where is that? It's like right next to Oakland. Um, Really close. Um, But Emeryville is actually where... Pixar, the animation studio, I don't know if you've heard of it, Toy Story Vibe uh, was created. Okay, Toy Story Vibes, I'm getting mad Toy Story Vibes from Emeryville. Why I'm, is that? I'm getting such mad Toy Story Vibes from this conversation. It's so weird, Woz and Buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you say Woz and Buddy? Did yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I did actually say Woz and Buddy. And That's guess what? Awesome. I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't cancel no myself one's ask, for that. N- no one's asking you to take it back. Thank you so much. Thank you so much You're for so that. Um, but my but, they, but yeah. they live in Emeryville? They live in yeah. Emeryville. And then, um, but they, they work um, in the medical field. So they're trying to, they just got a job working in Raleigh-Durham. Um, and they're moving. Oh, yeah, yes. And they're moving in November, which is weird. I mean, I've always, I, I don't live super close to them, obviously, but we've always sure. been super close. So it's very weird for them to go halfway across the country. But um they they're really excited about it and i've heard it's really fun there's like a research triangle there that's like a very big science capital so i'm like okay great yeah it's north carolina is really like an un, i would say it's an underrated state yeah. if i'm being completely honest with okay. everyone on this pod and you right now <laughs> underrated state i would wow. say wow wow a lot going on there what do you think is an overrated state california oh my God. <laughs> california uh Never been, but have to imagine Florida is yeah. not as cool as people make it out to be. I me. don't. I think Florida is just like I think Florida man articles tell you everything that you need to know about Florida. Well, I got do you. Do you know past guest of this show? Do you know Nikki Rifler? Yes, I do know Nikki Rifler. Yeah, they're so an Nikki, angel. Yeah, Nikki is from just outside of Orlando, and so he has told me just the most like whack, just like weird things that have like. Now he didn't even seek them out. He just they just transpired just sort of in and around his area and I'm just like you just kind of, you know, you are starting to make a little more sense to me. No, now. I was going to say like I would have not guessed that, but knowing that, it tracks so well. That's yes. that's it. That's it. That's it, that's it baby. We're, uh, we're I, on the money. I think we're good for Noe's question. I think we kind of yeah. got what we needed out of it. I think we squeezed that for all it's worth. Wow. Squeeze it again. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, Jesse. Woo! Woo! Okay, Jesse. Noah. I invited you onto this show by the grace within my heart. I know you're the sweetest person I've ever met. Thank you. I actually do want to say thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Very welcome. Yes. Yes. You're so welcome. Uh, But I said you can talk about almost anything you want. I actually have told people before, like, I actually won't talk about that with you on this show. That happened a couple times. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, That's so interesting. (laughs) Someone's like, "Um, hi, Noah, German dungeon porn. And you're like, "Mm, babe. I don't know. <laughs> what's, your, what's your second option? I need, to hear this. I need to hear the backup option, actually, first. But uh, you said you, you pick almost anything you want. I'll talk to you about almost anything. You came back with Let's Talk About the Golden Girls, which let's is, talk of about course, them. Let's Talk About Them, a sitcom from the 80s and early 90s. Jesse, why did you pick the Golden Girls? So, okay. I have a very interesting relationship to sitcoms and that I unabashedly love them. I mean, usually I do. Sometimes they're absolute garbage and like that's right. so valid to say. Like we know that Friends it blows, but like that's yeah. okay. Um, Seinfeld, on the other hand, Gorgina, love it. Um, yes. But like, I think, oh, hold on. Okay. 
Yeah, I was hearing something. I didn't know if that was you or if that was the dog. That was the me. Evil... I, I was ripping the Velcro <laughs> off of something. Okay, that's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, destructo can't over here. Yeah. Uh, I was meant to say pants. I said like can't. I meant to say pants. Whatever. Yeah, I thought that was some like philosophy. Yeah, it's <laughs> destructo like can't actually. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Whoa, Excuse me. Whoa. Thank you. Um, but I. But um, you're a sitcom lover through and through. Yes, I'm a sitcom lover through and through. I'm a TV lover through and through. Um, I love reality. I love watching people just absolutely break the fabric of their minds trying to be on a reality television show um but i also i like golden girls because i think i think it's kind of a predecessor to this kind of what's deemed now is like chuggy but i think that like there's you know like parks and rec in the office there's this kind of wholesomeness these sitcoms there's a lot of like it's not just about the funny it's about the sweetness and i think like golden girls is such an archetype uh, and just kind of a predecessor to those kinds of shows like it is very funny but it's also very very sweet and there's a lot of sh- things about togetherness and community and i think i like it because it's unconventional and i think so often we find these shows that are about 20 somethings 30 somethings you know fumbling through life and now i think like the common zeitgeist is like i'm 39 fucked up what do you want to talk about and it's just like okay but i think that like golden girls is a, is a really interesting perspective because it's not it's not younger people. And it's also, it's, it's, you know, 50 year old women living their lives. And it's a completely different facet of society that we don't talk about. And we haven't talked about in a long time. And like, I think about, I think too, that it shows a really interesting fact about coming of age because like coming of age oh, is, sure. yeah, yeah. is the most, it's my favorite genre, but also sure. it's the most popular genre of anything. Like, I, I think I read that once that most people love uh, coming of age of any story, but um we always talk about puberty or we always talk about like, you know, there's a lot of like Charlize Theron young adults. Like I'm becoming this like a a version of what an adult is, but golden girls, I think discovers a very interesting kind of societal perspective of what it means to come of age when you're in a different phase of your life, when you're older and you're not doing the hustle and bustle when you're not raising kids. Like what does that even look like and how do you come of age and be okay with that? And I think that's fascinating. Also, like I want to say that, my relationship with that show started in quarantine. Oh, okay. So this is a relatively new discovery yes, for yes. you and your sort of lexicon or canon of things that you love. Yes. Also, am gotcha. I jumping the gun? Is that one of the questions you're going to ask me? It was, but you perfectly just sort of went there anyway. So okay, I great. say go for it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. I tend to slip and slide shoots and ladders. So well, Hey, listen, we're going to be going up some ladders and we're going to be going down, <laughs> down some shoots. Um, I've been thinking of SpongeBob being like, and Patrick when they're playing shoots and ladders, but it's escalators and eels. And he's like, yes. Eels. Um, oh, that was yeah. a good Patrick. Thank dude. you so much. Uh, my voice just gets deeper because I'm trans. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome too. That's pretty awesome to me. So go for it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I was looking, you know, like in the kind of um, minutia of the everyday turmoil, I was like, I do need something to watch and entertain myself with. And so why not something that I like, I don't know, I, I'm like, you know, I could watch something that's like current and on TV or, you know, whatever. But I felt like maybe at that point in time, I was just watching a lot of current stuff. Sure. But I had like, I had watched the first season like years ago because okay. my sibling loves it. They're obsessed with it. Oh, and I was sure. like, uh, it's not my thing. And then when I found myself kind of like, I don't really want to watch this again. I don't really want to watch anything new. What do I watch? I was like, you know what? I remember the Golden Girls 
always made me feel good. Like I always felt yes. really good watching that show. And so when I was in core and I was kind of like depressed as famously we all were, I yeah. was just kind of like, you know what? I want to watch something that will make me feel good. And it's not even about like the laughs or the friendship. It's just like such a sweet show. It's just such a like sure. a, a nice little show to put on. So I started watching the second season. Um, I actually did not rewatch the first one. Can you believe that? Um, but I, I can't, I, I cannot believe your mind you're telling blown? You Okay. I can't believe you're admitting that on a podcast. I, <laughs> you didn't go back and watch the first fucking season of Golden Girls. I know. What the hell were you thinking? Dr. Oppenheimer in his brain. I'm crazy right now. I, no, I just like, I yeah. truly just was like, I've seen it. I vaguely remember it. It's fine. Um, and always the first seasons of shows are always really rocky. So I was like, it's fine. And then I ended up watching, so I started with the second season and yeah, it was the same thing. Like I just fell in love with it. I was like, I love this show. It's so resonant of its own time. Like it's such an interesting time capsule to what that era is. And I think it changed TV, which is really cool. But I also think, okay, but I also think that, sorry, the villain of the podcast is disturbing the, me. The dog is just wants to be on mic so, so bad. bad. And I'm just not letting her. She's giving you me know a what very... I say? You know what I say to that? What? This clout shit funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say to little Greta wanting to get on the podcast. This clout shit is funny. funny. That's what I say. It's funny. <laughs> Fucking get funny, away from dude. the mic, Greta. Come Jesus, on. Jesus, man. Come the fuck on, dude. But anyway, so I, um, yeah, it was just like I found myself watching it and being like, wait, I want to finish this. And then I finished all seven seasons of Golden Girls in quarantine and was like, I'm... It, yeah, it feels kind of resonant of its own time, but and it I like that it is so well preserved in amber of that time period, but it does like yes. very much kind of signify sitcoms to come. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I my biggest thing and why I picked it is that like it's not necessarily like my favorite show of all time. Like one of my sure. favorite shows of all time is Twin Peaks. But let's go. I yes, Mr. Lynch and I, Batman. Um, but I think that like. I love Golden Girls very, very much, and it's become very near and dear to my heart very quickly because it's so sweet and kind. And yes. I, I think media like that is so sought after and really hard to replicate, and I love it. And that is my very, very long-winded answer of why I chose Golden Girls. Well, you said something interesting, and I don't agree or disagree with what you said. I just think it's an interesting thing to say, so I want to circle back on it. Sure. You said... Golden Girls changed TV. Okay. Why do you say that Golden Girls changed TV? Because I think Golden Girls put something at the forefront that is not often at the forefront. Older women like that are not often at the forefront. When we're talking about comedians, when we're talking about people that are supposed to be making us laugh, you know, we're, we're going to men. I mean, like, yes, if we're talking about, like, sketch comedy, we can bring in, like, Carol Burnett or I Love Lucy, but it's not for older women discussing retirement and menopause sure. openly and brazenly. And I think it opens the door for a lot of perspectives that are not... I mean, like, I'm not saying that, like, this is providing the representation that we asked for because it's certainly not. But I okay. think, yeah. but I do think that it it starts a longer line of what does it mean to show different stories that are not commonly told. And sure. I think it to hold seven seasons of weight on television. And it was the kind of thing where like um, when I was researching more about it when it was running, it was the kind of thing where like it was like Friends or Seinfeld, like it was something that people really looked forward to. They were like, For oh sure. my God, it's Golden Girls Night. And 
you know, I think like the only other show is like Murder She Wrote, but that almost has this kind of campy element to it that right. that falters. And I think it changed television in that it really opens up for perspectives and maybe not change television like it makes waves, but it opens the door sure. just a little bit more of a crack. And I think that is really wonderful. And it, it shows that these older actresses are not out of their prime. They're not not funny. They're great. Totally. Yes. And that's a great and that's a great point that like th- I think for the person for a person who hasn't ever watched this show, I think that there is a preconceived notion possibly even a stigma about what maybe it actually is yes and i think that the second you watch i mean whatever i watched some random ass episode in season five for my first episode ever and we'll talk about that later in the show please but i was legitimately like entertained and laughing at these jokes and the writing on this show so i think that the idea that this is a for old people or this is an old person show yeah is just not true yeah. actually at yeah. the at the end of the day it's just not like the reality of the situation and it's that just is something true. that i i just wish maybe people would watch the damn show no maybe, honestly you know? i think people are so scared of it and they're so scared of like oh god it's gonna be like menopause jokes and like oh right. no and like you know uh, my old husband is weird in bed like and it's just so i mean some of it is but like most of it is just not that and i think it's so funny and so interesting and i really think that um I have, like, a lot of people tell me that they're scared of because it, quote-unquote, doesn't age well. And I'm like, of course, babe. Like, it's from the 80s, and it's about four old women. Like, yeah, it's not going to age well. Sorry to burst your bubble, but, like, it's not going to age well. But I do think that none of the shows that you idolize of any era that are, like, even now are not perfect. And there are not things that are having these discussions in that time. And that's to the fault. That's neither here nor there. That just exists. But I do think that, like... What I like about Golden Girls and what I always tell people is that it does not age well is that I find that that show is very self-aware of how well it does not do. Like, I think their whole motive for me, from my perspective, is when someone makes a, you know, like a joke that is queerphobic, because there's so much homophobia on that show for some reason. That's like the hot topic of that show. But also, like... really? Well, I mean, not really. It's like, it's not like there's episodes where it's like, I'm just going to start dropping the F-slur. Uh, I'm not going to be like Matt Damon here, but I think that like, <laughs> to kind of put like a topical reference on this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, I was talking about something not aging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> a month, people are going to be like, what, wait, what the what fuck are Matt Damon? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, cancel Matt. No, anyway, but I think that like, it, it's funny to me because I think that um, what I tell people is that it, it, I find that it's a little more self-aware than most shows. Like, I think their method of doing it is that these women do say things that are not okay and not appropriate. Right. Like, they know their demographic, like, the majority of the demographic is probably older people, maybe retirees, older women. And if anything, I think there is an effort to plant, like, a seed in people's minds of, like, this is not the proper way to think. Like, sure. Like, yeah. just showing, something, showing something on a show and I feel not to get not not really about to get truth teller mode on you here, <laughs> get but truth teller mode. It feels like, from my perspective, yes, that especially within the last four to five years, it seems like people have just either chosen chosen to forget or have just forgotten that just because something is depicted. It does not mean it is the endorsement right. of the person putting it on screen. Right. Right. And that is true of almost everything that's ever been made like right. just straight up you know so to say that something doesn't age well it's like well yeah you're right it's the 80s but first of all 
we're not out here saying like these are the patron saints of like <laughs> right. f- femininity and like like saintlyhood here. Right, like, exactly. These are four people, you right. know, and people say bad stuff. Right, people, right. that's how people talk. Right. Also, like your grandma still says racist shit, and you know it. So like yes. it's it's the kind of thing where like. Um, and I know you're not calling your grandma out. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that you should be doing that. I'm not saying, like, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that, like, before you judge the program you have not seen, remember that, like, yeah, it's not indicative of, like, yes, B. Arthur actually famously hates every gay person to ever exist. Right, exactly, but, like, exactly. It, it's the kind of thing, like, this is written for the character. And again, that's neither here nor there. And also, like, as a queer person, I just ignore it. There are some racist jokes that I feel are probably not my place to comment on. And I think, like... I would rather hear somebody other, someone like a person of color's opinion on those jokes and be like, what sure. do you really think about it? Because I think like, but for, from a queerness perspective, I'm like, I mean, yeah, my own grandmother says that kind of shit to me and it's annoying and it's frustrating right. and I don't appreciate it. But I think to say, to write something off as it doesn't age well, so I won't watch it is very like, okay, babe, interesting. Yeah. It's just, there's a, there's a closed mindedness there yeah. at a certain level. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, even if you just want to not, go that deep with the I don't want to watch it. I think people like, do you remember, did you, okay, ready? Here, we're going to have to test, we're going to have to test Jess here. Let's go. In 2013, a movie came out that I think a lot of people wrote off, and I remember, I haven't seen it since it came out, but I remember watching it with my family when it came out and thinking, this movie's fucking awesome. Why aren't people talking about it? Did you see Philomena with No, oh my God. My mother and my sibling love that movie with Steve Coogan and Judy Dench. Yes. Yeah. So good. And I think it was getting a lot of awards hype for Judy Dench and Stephen. Fre- I think it's Stephen Frears who directed it at the time. Amazing uh, of the of the, you know the Oscars or whatever. It's a great movie, and I think people just wrote it off for the same reason that I think a lot of people our age write off Golden Girls as oh this is an old person yes. movie or this is an old person show. Yeah. And if you could just get past the fact that it's just not that. Yeah. And like just actually just be like I'm just going to give this a chance. You will laugh. This is a great, this show is so well written, I yeah. would say. Yeah. No, I, it's so well written. It's super funny. I also think that, like, it's, it's so funny that, like, these kind of, like, white suburban moms can kind of be spoon fed the Nancy Myers industrial complex of, like, I love something's gotta give and I love it's complicated, but right. they're not old enough. Like, you know, like, at the time, I mean, Meryl Streep is about as, and it's complicated, is that as old as B. Arthur is in that show. But there's something about it that just, yeah, it feels way too old. And it's it's really sure. interesting to distance yourself from it. And yeah, I think it's kind of sad because it is so funny. It's so ridiculous. And I mean, all of them give such good performances. It's so funny. And it is so funny. Yeah, I think it's it's like, I don't know. I wish, yes, I wish more people would engage with it. I really do. It is one of those things where it does have that weird, you know, stigma or that weird sort of like fence around it, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. And hopefully, maybe if you're listening to the show and you think that or had think that in the past, maybe you're like, hmm, maybe I'll go on Hulu.com, yeah. watch an episode or two, yeah. maybe watch the episodes that we or that Jesse picked for us to watch today. Yes, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not, but hopefully. Right. Maybe, maybe if you really want to. Also, like, I think one last thing is that people are scared to talk about the idea of geriatric sex. And that is like a huge joke in this show. And I'm like, sure. yes, old people have sex. It's so crazy. Like whether they do it with like, you know, what is it? Um, what is that? Uh, what is that? What is what? What is the boner pill? What is it called? Viagra? Thank you. Yes. Like, whether it's with Viagra Not that, not that or... I know from experience. No, not that no, I know from experience. No, 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 cut it. Cut it from the show. <laughs> um, whether it's Viagra or Cialis or whatever the fuck you're using. Like, yeah. you know, there's always going to be jokes about that, blah, 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 blah. But I do think that, like, 
yes, I think that there is this kind of tepidness and like old people are boring. And I think that like, yes, I wish that wasn't the case. Well, people are cool as fuck. Well, people are cool as fuck. Um, Sometimes they are really problematic. And if that is traumatizing to you, do not engage with them. (laughs) But like, True. Very, very true. But a lot of the time, they're actually cool as fuck. A lot of times, old people are cool as fuck. They have really cool stories because they're famously old. So they've lived a long time. Yes, they are famously old. old. <laughs> Holy oh, shit. Um, okay, before we dive into the dropping knowledge segment on the show, which maybe some people like, maybe some people don't, who cares? Um, how has the Golden Girls influenced you, if at all, either artistically, personally, spiritually? How, how, how has the show at all, if at all, influenced you? It doesn't have to, but I'm curious if it has. No, I think it has. I think in my own sh- in my own writing, because I love stories about friendship. I love the kind of yes. um, insular nature, whatever it means to be in a friend group and those things happening. And when I write scripts or when I write short stories about friends, because I think friendship, I think the relationships between friends are really powerful and that bond is very not easily broken. Like I think... And they talk about it on Golden Girl, Girls a lot because like they are constantly insulting each other and hurting each other's feelings and, you know not betraying, but doing things that are really rude to do to your friends. But I think what I love about that show is the sense of holding other people's feelings. And I think that is something that I've had to really put into my own writing because when you're apologizing or when you're trying to kind of work through issues, because for the sake of time, you cut things really fast. And it's just kind of like, it's very almost cartoon logic of, right. I'm upset at you, you're upset at me, there's a big I'm sorry moment, and then we're done. But I right. think Golden Girls takes it a step further of like, well, why are you upset? And what can I do to fix that? And there's a genuine, there's there's a genuity there. I don't know if genuity is a word, but I hope it is. There's there's we're a genuine, we're going we're gonna to go with it. Um, what are you going to do, correct me? But I think that there's, there, I think human beings have an innate sense of what is genuine, what is not. And that show has such a beautiful way of showing a genuine friendship and how to genuinely apologize and be there for your friends. And I've put that into my own writing. Um, and Amazing. I think, yeah, I also like, the cheesecake scenes are some of my favorite in the whole show because it's like, it's so sweet and beautiful. And it's these simple mundane moments that people write off as just like, Oh, they're just, they have to have this conversation, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's these mundane moments that actually bring the friendship together. It's that's, what's making you watch. It's these little traditions that they do. It's the inner minutia of very specific friends because all friends have their own thing. And I think that's something that I've had to include in my own work a lot that I want to include my own work. Amazing. Last question before we dive into. Oh my god, we're we're gonna fucking dive. Okay, let's go. Before hey, before we dive headfirst into a three foot pool. <laughs> before we do that, maybe yeah. the most important question I'll ask you the entire show. Yeah. Which of the main quartet are you? Oh my god, don't even start with me. Okay, here's the thing. Here is the absolute thing. Um, it's very much, you know, it's okay. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We all want it. It's it's kind of like Sex in the City, where like everybody wants to be a Samantha, but we're all secretly Carries because there's just okay. too many Carries in the world and not enough Samanthas. There's too many people scared to be Carries. It's because Carrie sucks. But like, right? Okay, sure. Um, and I'm talking about a different show right now, but it doesn't matter. Golden Girls, I think for me, um, it's like everybody wants to be Dorothy. Everyone wants to be the Arthur. But we have to admit that some of us famously are Sophia's, and I'm a Sophia, and that's totally okay. And um, you're admitting to that on pod that you are a Sophia. Yes. Um, I would like to say I, I would not say 
uh, half the racist shit that Sophia says. And if okay. uh, if I've ever said anything microaggressive or overtly racist to you, I apologize sincerely and please let me know how I can fix that. But yes. I think that, um, I regardless, I'm I'm uh, in spirit as Sophia. I think if I'm gonna I, I'm gonna blow your mind here, Noah, really quickly. Okay. I'm gonna keep please. doing it. Please. I think I'm a Sophia son. I knew that you were gonna fucking let's do go, this shit. I knew that you were gonna go. fucking let's do this go. shit because this is what this is what people do. They're like, I'm a this this, I'm a this this, this, this. and by the way, I'm also a this this, and I don't fucking get it. I don't <laughs> fucking get that shit. But no, go off. That's go because, off, Queen. You know, that's because men don't care about astrology, and that's like I don't so give a valid. shit about it. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about astrology. I don't give a shit. Of, I know my. I do know my big three. What is your big I three? Talk, well, I talked about it on an episode of this show, and you're not gonna like the, the moon one because when I because I when wait. I because when I revealed what the moon one was to my guest on that episode, she literally went oh. like she literally did that. So I'm like not thrilled, and I'm afraid that you're gonna, you're not gonna like you're really not gonna like. I'll just it, log off if I don't like it. I'll just log off. Great, that'll be awesome. For Amazing, me. Okay. that'll be incredible. I am a Capricorn Sun. Okay. Which I know some people are like that sucks, and it's like no, Capricorns tell you. are the high, most the hardest working sign in the zodiacs. Fuck, fuck that, they're great. So I'm a Capricorn Sun, I am an Aquarius rising, okay, and I am a Scorpio Moon. No, okay, people need to back the fuck off of Scorpios. It's like when when you get those like tumblr age memes of like scorpios i'm gonna murder your entire mother and then it's like oh, aries no. is like oh no like i had a bad conversation with you it's like it's like bad it's like whatever they're like astrologies are soap everything is normal except for scorpio is the blood of an orphan like it's, it's so <laughs> aggressive and unnecessary there are there's good to, and bad to every sign scorpios are incredibly loyal they're very good friends that's what i'm saying like, that's what i'm saying, that's what I'm saying. um Aquarius rising, I think is a good, it's a good, I think is a good placement. Um, if you're an Aquarius sun, I, I do not like Be a it. little scared. I, yeah. I don't have a lot of male Aquarius friends. Um, okay. I'm not big into male Aquariuses. I have like maybe two that I can think of. Um, but I think, uh, it's not my favorite combination, but I do think <laughs> yeah, okay. Aquarius rising is, is good, is a good placement. That's a good placement. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before I... Before I derail what you were going to say, you are a what oh, sun yes. okay. and a what rising and a I'm what moon. I'm a Sophia sun, okay. a Blanche moon, and a Dorothy rising. And for 5% of the audience, that will mean something. And yes. for the other 95%, yes. they will be like... 30 seconds forward. <laughs> They'll be like, times. I don't give a shit. Ask the questions. Um. Also, uh, I would think I'm a Rose Venus if we're going to do big four. Don't know what what is he, what is a Venus supposed to mean? Venus Anything is, or is that going to be a whole different podcast? Uh, I, whole different podcast. I mean, like it's how it's uh, it's love, the planet of love, intimacy, that kind of stuff. Love that. Uh, okay. Don't know which one I am. Haven't watched the show enough, but I think Rose is my favorite of the four. Oh, Betty White, literal queen angel, the the master of subtle like subtle facial comedy. She's so fucking funny. She's so she, funny. She's a queen. We have to protect her because she, I think she's almost 100 years old. She, I really think she is. I think you're totally right. I, I'm actually very worried about her. And I'm like, please, no. I like, no, I love her. In case her, like, freeze her like Disney, I care about her. <laughs> yeah, put, the, put her brain in a cryo chamber and just, like, keep that thing alive for Literally, if you have back. to Futurama her ass and cut that head off, do it. I want it. I want her alive forever. Uh, I'm going to drop some knowledge on Golden Girls. Ready? Okay. 
The Golden Girls is an American television sitcom created by Susan Harris that originally aired on NBC from September 14th, 1985 to May 9th, 1992, with a total of 180 half-hour episodes spanning seven seasons. The show stars Beatrice Arthur, a.k.a. B. Arthur, Betty White, Rue McClanahan, and Estelle Getty as four older women who share a friendship and a home in Miami, Florida. How cute. We love that. Yes. Oh, my girls. My girls. Each of the four stars that I just listed received an Emmy Award, making it one of the only four sitcoms in award show history to achieve that feat. So, shout out the girls. Shout out the girls. They're all, they give performances of their lives, truly. They, they leave it all out on the field, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, produced, in the introdu- produced to introduce the network's 1984-85 season schedule, two actresses appearing on the NBC shows Selma Diamond and Night Court uh, and Doris Roberts of Remington Steel appear in a skit promoting the show Miami Vice, titled Miami Nice, a parody about old people living in Miami. Ha ha. NBC's senior vice president, Warren Littlefield, was among the executive producers in the audience who was amused by the performance and envisioned a series based on the geriatric humor that the two were portraying. Shortly afterward, he met producers Paul Younger-Witt and Tony Thomas, who were pitching a show about a female lawyer. Though Littlefield nixed their idea, he asked if they would be interested in delivering a pilot script for Miami Nice, their writer declined because why the fuck would you write that? Uh, so Wit asked his wife, Susan Harris, who had been semi-retired since the conclusion of Soap, uh, and she found oh the contract. Oh my god! Yeah, Susan Harris was behind our favorite, other, our other favorite show, Soap, oh. which I have actually never seen a single. Episode I've never of, so seen, but I've sucks. heard of. Oh my Billy, god! I think I think Billy Crystal. That was like one of his like breakthrough uh, things. Legend. Wow. We love that man. Protect he would never him. Miss- we would ne- he would never miss a Yankee game if his life depended on it. Um, that is a joke just for me. Uh, she, <laughs> found, she found the concept interesting, and it was, quote, it was a demographic that had never been addressed, like you were saying, uh, and she began work on it, and thus the Golden Girls was born. Wow. The wow. actresses consumed over 100 cheesecakes during the show's <gasps> seven-year run, and this might, this might shatter some glass for you, so hold on tight for this. Okay. Are you ready? B. Arthur... Hated cheesecake in real life. Yes, I have read that before. B. Arthur okay. also famously hated Betty White for a long time. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? How could you hate that sweet woman? I know. They had a very big, um, it was very like tabloids kind of, um, you know, uh, National Enquirer vibe of like, they don't like each other and there's a lot of drama. Oh. Like, it's society's way of being like, women need to hate each other. Um, and, and That's awesome. Yeah, I think like it fluctuated from what I've read. It's awesome when women hate each other. Um, I think like it fluctuated where, um, you know, sometimes they hated each other and sometimes he loved her. Um it goes back sounds to like maybe it sounds like maybe she was maybe the catalyst yeah. for that. It seems like maybe she was a little bit of a prickly pear. Yeah, she listen, I love her, Queen. Um, I yeah. watched this movie called um Mame with her and Lucia Ball because I love her so much and it was like wow. not that good, but whatever. So yeah. she yeah, I mean she came from a drama school, she's very prestigious, she like very, very, very like took her craft very, very seriously. Um, sure. which is funny because like her, her thing before this was mod, which was another comedy yes. show. And so like, it's, it's really funny, but like the whole thing was that she came from a very prestigious drama school where they're the kind of pedagogy that they were going through was like very serious, very self-serious. Right. And Betty White was on the Mary Tyler, Moore, Mary Tyler Moore show. And that right. show was all improv- like improvised. It was all comedy. It was all, you know, kind of these subtle fa- like face gags and this sight gags that were supposed to be really funny. And, 
they just butted heads because she would get these laughs and this kind of recognition and right. it was a complete you know dissolving or dissolution of what the arthur was trained on so she was just like fundamentally like that's not how you do things and i think she she didn't always believe in benny white's talent that way that would be a very interesting movie or miniseries. Ryan Murphy's already making it. It's his feud too. Oh, is it? No. Is he actually? Or are you <laughs> no. fucking with me right no, now? No, but I'm sure he'll fucking do it. I'm sure he's going to take this idea from the podcast, not credit me, and then be like, I'm an amazing genius. <laughs> he's <laughs> listening. He's like Mr. Burns, like sitting in his big office with his big high back chair, the fire crackling, just going like, whose little idea can I steal tonight, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? I would love to yeah. know who Darren Chris's Smithers is. I would love to know who that is. Probably Brad. Wow. Falchuk, probably, but whatever. Who is Rob Falch? Who is that? Oh, Brad Falchuk. He's done like a yeah. lot of stuff with Ryan. He's his writing partner. He did Glee and uh, American Horror Story. Shout out to hey, shout out Ryan Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out Ryan you know who doesn't get enough recognition? <laughs> Ryan Murphy. Yeah, I've never. I don't hear anyone talking about that guy. No. Uh, oh, when the, when the show first aired, Queen Elizabeth loved it so much that she wrote the four actresses, asked them to perform a live show, especially for her. They obliged, acted the sketch out during the Royal Variety performance of 1988, and the, which the Queen was present, in which the girls are depicted on stage visiting London, first interacting with host Ronnie Corbett, and then sitting down for dinner, recreating various moments from the previous episode. They literally did a little performance for the Queen. That is so fucking nuts. That is so that incredible. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah, just another reason why we love those girls. I love those girls. Uh, Rue McClanahan. Yeah. Who plays Blanche. Love. Did you know that? Uh, I do know that. <laughs> Famously. Okay, good. Famously play Blanche. Uh, had a clause written into her contract that she was allowed to keep all of Blanche's custom-made clothing. McClanahan had 13 closets filled with the designer wardrobe in her Sutton Place co-op in Manhattan. Wow. Oh, she, she looks so gorgeous in that show, so it makes sense. Is she the youngest? Is it ever made clear if she's the youngest of the four? Because I know Sophia's the oldest of the four, right? In show or out of show? In show. Um, I think I it's the whole gag of, like, Blanche will never tell her age. Oh, but um, I'm pretty sure Rose is the youngest. Oh, interesting. Okay. I would not have guessed that, actually. Yeah. But there you go. That's Hey, that's life. <laughs> hey, that's life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. like the Joker. That's life. Stop. Um, okay, actually, okay. No, wait, no, I can do this. I can do this. I'm pretty sure it's Sophia, um, then Blanche, because there's an episode where they find out that Blanche is one year older than Dorothy. So it's, okay. I think it's Blanche, Dorothy, and then Rose. Thank you so much for that. Of course. Uh, there were three spinoffs of Golden yes, Girls. Yes, there was so many fucking <laughs> spinoffs. There were three that either aired concurrently or after the run of the main series. The one that aired after the run of the series was called The Golden Palace, yes. which ran from September 92 to May of 93, which also starred, it starred Betty White, Rue McClanahan, and Estelle Getty as their roles from the Golden Girls, as well as Cheech Marin, and a young Don Cheadle yeah. was in the show. Yeah. Shout out to Don Cheadle. What a, what a fucking baller. That man is a fucking juggernaut. Like, when you think about it, that <laughs> bitch has done so, okay, Don Cheadle's not a bitch, but that guy has done so much work, like... I'm always like, what the hell? Like, you have touched every cornerstone of this goddamn culture forever. 
He's a he's a prince. <laughs> he's a prince he's, in my eyes. He's a prince to me. He's my little prince, actually. <laughs> I keep him in my little pocket, and I bring him out when I need a little kiss, and I give him a little kiss. I give him a little kiss <laughs> right on his little nose. Okay. Right on his little nose, and then I say, show me your little ass. <laughs> <laughs> show me and some he... little hole on Maine. Okay, anyway. <laughs> and then he shows me his little tiny hole, and I go, okay, go back in my little pocket, you <laughs> stupid bitch. That's what I say to him. Uh, <laughs> the three remaining roommates... Uh, Rose, Blanche, and Sophia decided to invest in a Miami hotel that is up for sale. Ding, 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 cha-ching. The hotel, however, is revealed to have been stripped of all its personnel in an effort to appear more profitable, leaving only two employees, Roland Wilson, the hotel manager, and Chewy Castillos, the hotel chef. This requires the women to perform all the tasks at the hotel. That can't happen. Comedy ensues. <laughs> what a crazy concept. Ooh. Isn't that cool though? That it's was probably so I actually I'm actually a little surprised that show didn't do a little better. That actually sounds silly as hell. Yeah, it's I think um it's too silly. I only watched the first couple episodes, but I was like, uh, it's like you've really lost the kind of anchor to this show. I think sure. also B. Arthur is like kind of what grounds that show a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I, I mean I that's I think why everybody watched it because everyone loves mods. So they're like, okay, get me in there. Yes. Um but uh yeah, it um it's like really silly. Okay, well, it's silly. That's that's what we know about that's, the Golden that's Palace. That's the final vibe, is that the Golden Palace is famously very silly. It's a little... Maybe they should call it the Funny Palace. The second... <laughs> the, sec, the second little spinoff they did was called Empty Nest. This one actually did a little bit better. Have you actually seen an episode I've of Empty Nest? I've never actually seen Empty Nest. Okay, so Empty Nest, the initial pilot was aired in 1987... Was aired as the 1987 episode of the Golden Girls empty nests and starred Paul Dooley and Rita Moreno as George and Renee Corliss, a married couple living next to the Golden Girls characters who face empty nest syndrome as their teenage daughter goes off to college. When that idea was not well received, Susan Harris retooled the series as a vehicle for Richard Mulligan and the following year empty nests debuted starring Mulligan as Harry Weston, a pediatrician, a widower whose two adult daughters had moved back home. It aired from October 8th, 1988 to April 29th, 1985 for seven whole seasons. So this one actually did pretty well. This oh one was actually God. like its own little show. Yeah, it was like, is that related to Golden Girls at all? <laughs> it doesn't sound like it, but like it technically is a spinoff, I guess. But like they took out the actors who were in the episode of the Golden Girls, like Paul Dooley and Rita Moreno were the characters, I guess, that oh, were supposed I to see, be the I empty see. nesters. I see. And then they recast the Paul Dooley role with Richard Mulligan. So technically, yes, but it kind of was its own thing. So right, right. Who gives a shit? Who gives am a I right? flying fuck? Am I right, everybody? Yes. I am, hey, you're right. You're actually right. Uh, you're, hey, you're actually hey, right. I'm actually right for hey. once. Whoa. Hey. hey. Whoa. You're actually beautiful. right for once. Oh, hey. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> hey. What's the deal with always being right about that empty nest? That was so good. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, my God. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last spinoff was called Nurses which was a spinoff in 1991, set in Miami in the same hospital where Dr. Weston worked. The series starred Stephanie Hodge and a set of other young female and male nurses. I, there was not a lot of info about nurses. Yeah, I honestly... Like it did well. Yeah, I, I've never heard of it. Also, again, it's like a spinoff of a show that wasn't really a spinoff. Yes, like the only one that was like a true spinoff was Golden Palace because it had all the girls minus B. Arthur. But right, like, right. Who cares? Who cares? At the end of the day, if it's a spinoff, <laughs> it was either a good show that we liked or a show we didn't. Right, right. Um, two more little facts for you. Let's go. Little facts. Let's go. The the Golden Girls Live 
was an off-Broadway show that opened in the summer of 2003 in New York City at Rose Turns Theater in the West Village and ran until November of that year. The production ended because the producers failed to secure the rights and received a cease and desist order by the creators of the original show. Jesus. Featuring an all-male cast and drag, the Golden Girls Live consisted of two back-to-back episodes of the sitcom Break In, Season 1, Episode 8, and Isn't It Romantic, Season 2, Episode 5. Would you like to see that show or would you like to never see that show in your life? You know what's so funny? When you first said it, I was like, oh my God, I would love to see that. What I wouldn't give. Now you could not pay me. You could (laughs) not pay me to see that show. No. Yeah, I don't think I would sit through that. That no. sounds fucking awful, to be honest. Like, there's just episodes in- that have already been done. Like, at least give me, like, some original fodder. Also, gay you know? men in drag. It's like, can women have one fucking thing <laughs> for once? Like, Christ. Like, just gay- cast women. Like, <laughs> just like gays are like, I have to have this. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, it sounds fucking terrible. No, not for me. Sorry. Uh, in 2017, a Golden Girls-themed eatery, Lou LaRue Cafe, owned by Rue McClanahan's coast close friend, Michael LaRue, who inherited many of the star's personal belongings and in turn decorated the restaurant with them, opened in Washington Heights, Manhattan, in 2017. The eatery closed in November of 2017 uh, after a less than a year of operation. I could not find any other information about it other than it was just a failed restaurant, but... That I would go to. If I would I was go to that. I would love to. And if, okay, and if a drag performance is at that, yes. I'm just not okay. paying for Broadway to go. No, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. Broadway prices for a, basically, basi- basically, you could do that same show in your living room. You could just find the scripts to those episodes and just read them with your friends in the living room and be like, wow, we saved a lot of money not Literally, seeing Literally, we the could Broadway just table version. read and put some baby powder in our hair and be like, we did it, girls. Like, I'm good. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Let's go to Orange Julius and get a <laughs> Orange Julius. Now. I love Orange Julius right now, actually. Is Orange, they're just, a, it's just a smoothie. Yeah. Right? Or is it its own with, thing? Um, it's a smoothie with egg white in it. What the fuck? Yeah, that's what makes that's like its shtick. It's what makes it creamy. I haven't had one of those in a fucking. You know what's shockingly ironic? In the Glendale Galleria of all places, um, the place that time forgot, there actually is a uh, Dairy Queen Orange Julius hybrid that exists there. I love that. And I've gotten both things. I've gotten a Blizzard and an Orange Julius, and they're both gorge. Is, is it a Dairy Queen that just does the treats, or do they do hot food there, too? Do you they do hot food there, too. Wow. That is a unicorn, to be, to be <laughs> honest with you. Is that is a unicorn. Dairy Queen food good? Is it, like, remarkable? Not at all. No. Like, it's, like, very... In fact, it's actually very unremarkable, I would okay. say, to be so honest fair. with you. So valid. But, at least... I have never seen just a freestanding Dairy Queen in Southern California, to be honest with you. No, I, I really thought that they were a dying breed. Like, I really don't know if how many exist anymore. And then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, my God, there's one in Burbank or Glendale, California, of all places. Love that for Glendale, to be honest with you. Honestly, the one good thing, one reason to go to Glendale, am I right, everybody? Whoa. Whoa. Okay, a little Glendale slander on the show. Yeah. That's fine. That doesn't piss me off. I'm like, what is, uh, what is there, though? <laughs> like, what, egg slut fills? Okay, great. <laughs> you could go to the. You could go to, is sprinkles? Isn't yeah. that on the lawn of the Americana? You could go there. Yes, that's fun. Yeah, for some people. For some people, if you really need a designer cupcake, get your bag. 
Uh, when my when my friend came to visit me, she said we have to go to Sprinkle, and I said why? Why? Also, it's not even the real store. It's like a literal eight, like a vending machine ATM, and you get like the saddest cupcake of your life, and you're like, okay, I am a piece of shit, and then you leave. Yeah, I, everyone says that when they leave. They go, wow, I'm a piece of shit, like a robot. They Probably, kind of they're really like, wow, there. piece of shit, and then they leave. Yeah, and then they fall down and hurt their back. Okay, Whoa! So, uh, but I'm sh- anyway. They well, it's not that funny. They have to go to the they have to go to the hospital. So, not that funny. Um, okay, we're gonna talk. Hey, can we actually talk about the fucking episode? Can you get? Now? Can you get to it? Thanks. Yeah, we'll love let's that get for to us. it. Okay. Okay. First episode. Drum roll, please. Season five, episode six, "Dancing in the Dark." Jesse, what's this episode about? This episode is about Miles and Rose. Miles is Rose's, um, like, lover? Um, yeah, what's the, what's the, what is the relationship there, really? It's, uh, how do I explain this, Noah? Um, do I, they just fuck? <laughs> they actually just fuck each other's brains out. That's no, fine. Yeah, it's so fun for them. No, it's, um, it's like, uh, can I spoil? Is it cool if I like spoil the show for a second? Oh, actually, well, are we talking series spoilers here? Um, not. Uh, there are some pretty big ones that I could say. Okay, here's what I'll here's what I'll say. Spoilers for all the episodes that we're about to talk about. So if you for some reason are like, I'm not done with my Golden Girls rewatch or my watch yet. This is you know not this is not the part of the podcast for you. Skip all yes, the way to the end to hear us. Part. Yeah, please skip over that part. I mean, and, so uh, right. I would say. Spoil. I would yes. Go ahead and spoil away. Just spoil away. Who gives a fuck? Okay. Who gives That's a fuck? Say. Um, yeah. Also, okay. I will say for listeners, if you've gotten this far, I will just say on the whole, Miles is Rose's boyfriend. Um, let's, go! let's go. But he is a later in season boyfriend. Um, unfortunately, um, Rose and Miles have a very rocky relationship, but it does yeah. end up very happy. Okay. Spoilers. Skip now. Skip now. Um, skip now. Rose and Miles end up together. It's very sweet. Oh, it's very that cute. is so nice. Um, but Miles is famously, there's like a the moment of contention. I keep saying famously, I don't care. Um, the moment of contention for them is that Miles is in the witness protection program and Rose feels. Oh, yeah, no way. Yeah. Because he That's has an awesome. Italian gangster chasing him. Um, does I, I, Honestly, I think most shows are like, just throw an Italian gangster in there. Just get Al Capone on the phone. Hell um, yeah. Hell yeah. So they, um, they be, and that gangster, Martin Scorsese. But um, anyway, uh, is it, it actually? No, there's no way. It's no, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. Um, you tricked me again, sorry. dude. Whoa, trickster. Okay, um, watch Loki on Disney Plus. Anyway, so um, oh, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, uh, they're in. She's Rose. Is like I can never be with you again. I can't trust you. And they end up together. But um, so he's okay, yeah, he's like sure. her her flame. Love that. Love that for them. Love them. I didn't. I didn't know what the fuck was going on because that was the first episode of Golden Girls I ever yeah, watched. I'm like, yeah. did they? Is this like a I'm gonna walk you back after we oh, fuck so type we thing? Fuck type thing if we get it in. Yes, um, getting it in for Rose. <laughs> they okay. <laughs> also, if you if you've skipped this far, you're good. I won't spoil anything else. Um, Thanks. They um, yeah. It's I, sorry. I kind of threw you in right in there, but they've been dating for a <laughs> while okay. at that point. Um, okay. But the whole thing of Dancing in the Dark is that Miles is very smart. He's a college professor, very well-read, very articulate. And the whole joke of the show, Rose's whole character is that she's the dumb blonde. She's the dumb Midwestern girl who is really ditzy but very lovable and sweet. And she plays the role iconically. But the thing is, like, he invites her to these events with with his friends and she feels very stupid. She feels very out of place. She feels very, I can't. I can't crack a cold one open with the boys. Exactly. And 
um, there's this big ball dinner, I think at Miles's work that they have. And, um, she invites the girls and the girls the whole time are like, Rose, you have so many other wonderful qualities, but it's this, it's another thing of them being like, we've made fun of you for five seasons and now we have to be nice about how smart you are. So they try to, and, um, yeah, there's this, yeah, it's, uh, there's this big ball and Rose thinks of breaking up with Miles because she feels too stupid to date him. And that's what the episode is about. Yeah. And I, I was personally like, wow, we are in like very personal territory here. Like, a person just feeling completely out of place because they don't feel intelligent enough to like stand on their own two feet yes. with their partner. I was like, wow. We we're like strong. Yes. Literally fucking nose first into a three foot pool, bloody nose <laughs> at the bottom of the pool. Please save me. Please come wipe up my blood drowned in a puddle. But like, <laughs> yes. I, I, I picked it because yes. Noah, it's my oh. favorite episode of golden girls. Because, of all time. Of all time. My favorite episode okay. of Golden Girls. Because I think it, it goes back to that genuineness that I was talking about. But yeah, it exactly that point. It throws you in very heavy of this older woman feeling insecure, not about her age, not about the way that she looks. She feels very insecure about her own intelligence and the way to communicate with these right. people and rub shoulders. And I... I do love it because it really does test the corners of friendship and that these women have truly been belittling her this whole show. And right. it's the whole, you know, that's what the foundation of her humor lands on is being mean to Rose. And there, I th- again, I think the writing is so smart because it toes the line so respectfully of like, Rose, we care about you. Like, yes, we make jokes at your expense. And yes, the stories of your inane childhood are boring, but like, we care about you at the end of the day. And I don't want you to feel that way about yourself. And if Miles is making you feel that way, then you shouldn't be with him because you deserve better. And it's a lot of things with them being like, you deserve better. And I, I really, really love that. I think it's really well done. It's a very hard thing to portray on screen. And I think it's really done well. And my favorite moment too, is I'm a sucker for oldies. I love old music. I don't know why I love it, but the dance scene when all of them are dancing, they all have their own partners and then Miles yes. and Rose have this big reconciliation and it's so beautiful and sweet. And, you know, she's not crying, but like closing her eyes very blissfully and they dance is so, it's so romantic, Noah. I saw that scene for the first time and I clutched my heart and I was like, this is so romantic. This is so poignant. This is so beautiful. Yes. I, I love, first of all, I love the decor. It's gorgeous. It's it like is gorgeous. totally like, big sequin 80s glitter ball everywhere and I it's just so sweet and again I think it's so lovely to see an older couple still so in love it's that old cliche but it's so it's so romantic it's so so it's so good I love it I love it the like it's it's hard to appreciate I think if you've never tried to write like either an episode of tv or a feature or a short story or whatever but like especially an episode of TV, you don't have a lot of pages. You don't. You don't have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of anything, really. You got to get in late, get out early, and you still got to make us laugh, cry, and feel something. It's hard. Talk it off. Talk Talk it. Talk it off. It's hard. It's so hard. And so whenever a show can do it and kind of make you kind of forget about the gears turning or make you forget about – the fact that you're watching a show and you're just immersed in the story, that is just so impressive. So impressive. And it only gets more impressive, I think, the older you get and the more you're like, I kind of know how these things go. Yes. I kind of like have seen this before. 
But it goes, but do you know, do you, are you familiar with Jim Jarmusch? Yes, all? Jim Jarmusch, know him. Yeah, okay. So his, one of my favorite quotes of all time regarding art is, I'm going to butcher it and I'm not going to say the entire thing, but do more it. or less, it is like, nobody cares about originality. All they care about is authenticity. Yeah. So like steal from everywhere. We've seen we've seen the story of I don't think I'm smart enough to date him or I don't think I'm blank enough to you know date her or whatever yeah. a million times we've seen it a million times but we don't care when we're watching this episode you know we are invested in Rose's conflict with Miles and Rose's conflict sort of almost within the group because it's sort of twofold it's like I have this conflict with my romantic partner but I also have a little bit of a conflict going on with my friend group where yeah. it's like. Like you were saying, Jesse, they like shit on me all the time for this very specific reason. And now I need them to like come to my side and I need their help. <laughs> yes. And let's see if they're actually going to come through. So there right. is a little bit, there's tension everywhere. Right. It's great. It's so good. And honestly, I love that quote and I completely agree with it. I yes. think it's not conventions that are the problem. It's the nuances that you've tried to remake the wheel with. Like, sure. It's, yes. You know, or I'm sorry, I kind of misquoted my own self, but. It's not the conventions that are the problem. It's the way that you're trying to rework the re the remake the wheel with what you have. It's right. the nuances of those conventions. That is what will make the story interesting because yeah, we have seen it before and guess what, babe, we love it. Like we <laughs> yes. love it and we're so intrigued by it. And like, I'm, I, it's so annoying to me as a writer to see people feel as though they need to completely recanonize something that we all know. It's like, no, some of these things are so intrinsic in human nature that it's fascinating to watch them. It's the nuances of how you make them different. And this is such Absolutely. a good, good example of that. And yeah, Noah, you're completely right. And, you know, like the writers of the show are so talented because they're so economic and they know where to hit the, like where to hit the points. They know how to drop the seeds. But also Golden Girls, and this is overall, all the whole show. Yes. Is that it is such a well-balanced piece of media in that Betty White, gives such a stellar performance yes. and the show is written so well it's it's going really hand in hand the women act their asses off frankly yes. and then the writing really gives it to them it's not like they're these boring flat characters that are written without any interesting things it's interesting it's nuanced perspectives something that we as an audience is digestible and then it's just these stellar performances like that episode specifically the way that betty white reacts to things in character it's yes. heart-wrenching to watch her feel that she's so stupid and that she can't possibly be accepted and that she has to break up with someone she really loves because she doesn't feel good enough. And insecurities right. for a 55-year-old woman come across so well. And it's just so well done. It's so well done. I can see why it's your favorite app. It's like, my favorite that app all time. Very, very clear watching the episode. A couple of things I wanted to point out, and then I want to talk about the next episode. Okay. Uh, theme song slaps. Uh. Thank you for being a friend. One of the best theme songs of all time. Uh, Great. Was that? Do you know if that was written for the show specifically, or if I that think was it was song? actually. I'm pretty sure it was. Don't quote Great. me on that, but I think it was. I would never dare quote you on that. Don't quote me on anything. I would never dare quote you. Period. Thank you so uh, much. Ever in my entire Thank life. Thank you so fucking much. You're so welcome. <laughs> uh, the first lines of this show, or of this episode, excuse me. Yes. Blanche, what are you doing lining shelves on a Friday night? I think this is Dorothy talking yeah. to Blanche. Blanche, what are you doing lining shelves on a Friday night? Blanche, I'm working off my excess sexual energy. Laugh, 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 laugh. Dorothy, well, why don't we just hook you up to the toaster and have you make Pop-Tarts? <laughs> like, just like <laughs> off the bat, just like, whoo, ladies, 
it's the first inning. You don't need to come out swinging like that, but they <laughs> do. They do. Oh, my God. So funny. It's so good. It's just so good. And they all have such good timing, and it's just so good. It's so good. I think think, doesn't Dorothy literally say – I can't remember to which which golden girl it is, but doesn't she literally say the term backstabbing slut at yeah. one point? She says, it, she says that to Blanche because her and Blanche go for the same guy in one episode and she calls him a back. She calls her a backstabbing slut. That's like, I don't even, I don't, I don't even know if you would hear that in like most shows today. today. This was 1988 or whatever. It and was, again, you know? these are your, these are your friends. Like these are, these are not your friends. I'm sorry. These are like, what you would consider to be your grandma's friends calling each other sluts. And it's much more common than the average bear would think it is. And it's funny. Like, that's the thing. Like you could see that happening on a show and being like, okay, they just said that because whatever. Right. right. It's actually funny. It's so funny. They, they use their age. They weaponize it in a good way. They use their advantage. They, they weaponize it might be the wrong word, but they use it in a way that is actually good for them. And they're so smart about it. They are so smart. We love them. We love them. Queens. Can we move Queens? Can we move on to the next episode? Please. Let's move on. This next episode, drum roll, please. <laughs> Season six, episode nine, uh, 69. Very funny, Jesse. Uh, <laughs> 420. Well, okay. okay uh, 69, cool. actually. Sorry. Uh, no worries. Uh, Mrs. George Devereaux. Yeah. This is a wild ass ep. Jesse, what is this episode about? This episode is about Blanche. And uh, one day she she goes on a date with a secret admirer who keeps sending her flowers, only to discover that her secret admirer is actually her dead husband, um, yes. who has come back and has claimed to fake his own death and apologize and wants Blanche back. And it causes Blanche to reconcern, like, you know, consider her new life and everything that she's come and her kind of sexual prowess and liberation and how to manage that and what does it mean to go back with a husband and what does it mean to not be good enough and uh this the b plot of that episode is like sunny bono and um lyle wagner are in love with dorothy which is really strange but um it's it's you know a chance for them to be like celebrities love this show and we're funny um yeah it's it's very brad pitt starring on friends and it's the kind of thing where like um it's a strange B plot, but it goes back to Dorothy's confidence and things like that. But um, the main point of the episode is Blanche has to kind of, how does she navigate the fact that her husband is not dead and wants her back? Right, exactly. And there is a very, con- very like conventional twist that people like to throw in, but it works really well it here. Do you want to really well. maybe reveal what that twist is? I would love to. Um, the twist is that it's a dream the whole time. Um, yes. And, uh, it's, you know, and I think a lot of times we're so frustrated by that. And that is one convention or one kind of archetype that is really annoying. Yes. Um, but I think you're so right in that it's done in a way that's actually really poignant and meaningful. And that Blanche's whole thing about the episode is like, I keep seeing him in my dreams and I, I don't get to hug him. And then I wake up depressed and I think about my husband again. And it's a way of talking about trauma in an intangible form and how yes. to kind of go through that. And um, in the whole episode, it's that... You know, he is back in her life. And at the end, as she, you know, kind of forgives him for this betrayal that she's perceived throughout the dream, um, they hug. And she finally gets this embrace and she remembers what it means to have her husband. And she wakes up and Rose also gives her a really beautiful speech about you have the chance to have your husband back and you're being petty because he lied to you. And 
she has to have a big moment of like, I love this person. And I think it goes hand in hand of what does it mean to lose the love of your life? And again, coming of age in this way that we don't talk about much in that right you you have grown old with someone and what happens when they die how do you navigate when the love of your life dies and it absolutely it's so beautiful and that it talks about this tragedy again very quickly and efficiently and not in a frustrating way i'm i'm not annoyed that george isn't really back because first of all that's the thing about golden girls is it's very strange at times and when you're watching it you're like these bitches are on something else this is fucking weird and then you you get to the meat of it and you're like, oh my God, that's heart-wrenching. This poor woman is dreaming of her husband any way that she can. And it's also interesting that it starts off with strife and they don't know yes. how to go about it because Blanche has, doesn't know. Blanche still has unresolved feelings about her husband. And I think like it's so good. Beautiful. You ask yourself those two questions when it gets strange. Uh, what are they smoking and where can I get where some? Where can I get some? Oh, whoa, Bazinga. <laughs> I think like, yeah, it's really, it's really crazy. Um, they're actually all on ecstasy the whole time. Um, and doing poppers. There's a whole, there's a whole season devoted to doing poppers, which is kind of weird, right? The idea of, of like Beatrice Arthur or like Estelle Getty doing poppers. <laughs> like on network TV, like being like, excuse me, Sophia, I have to go to the bathroom <laughs> for 15 oh, minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. Dorothy is not ballsy enough, but Sophia would do it at the, at the table. There'd be like cheesecake and she'd be like, so bitches. <laughs> Oh, what a, hey, maybe we should uh, jazz this cheesecake up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, what she's like, you bitches are boring. And then we'll do it as they like eat cheesecake at 9 a.m. like 2 a.m. or something. Um, I love that for them. Um, I love that for them, to be yes, honest with you. Yes, Noah. I love that for them, too, honestly. I love those girls, and I want them to be happy. And there's an episode where they get mistaken for sex workers. And again, the portrayal of sex work is not very well done respectfully. Wow. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. um, still, like, Sophia is the one that's like, meh, whatever. And it's, like, very, uh, like, I don't she's care. Like, I'll fuck it. And it's just, like, an interesting. She's like, that's actually cool. That she's I'm like, it's actually great to use my pussy working. for power. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> that's, like, awesome. And they're saying it as the credits are rolling and they're running out of time. She's like, this is actually awesome for me. And they cut it off really quick. Uh, but why did you pick this app and what makes this episode so golden? Okay. <laughs> golden, haha. Oh, my God, pun intended fully. I Yes. I think I kind of touched on it originally. Um, I picked this episode because it's very strange. And like I said, yes. there are a lot of episodes of Golden Girls that are very, very strange. And that just don't really make a lot of sense on the whole. There's an episode where Sophia and her ex-best, fr- or her best friend's husband, after her best friend dies, end up getting together, opening a pizza restaurant. The pizza restaurant burns down and they get divorced. That's and that's all in one episode. And that's it's so, so or like, I think it's in one episode. And it's like, crazy and um it's (laughs) so bizarre and you're like wait what but it's done a well again but i think with this episode i was like i love that it's quintessential that some episodes are like dancing in the dark that are very sweet and poignant and touching all the way throughout and there are some that are like this show's fucking weird and then when we talk about the last episode i will say that like i picked these three because i think these are the three archetypal episodes of golden girls what's where you're gonna get um but i think um Two of them have really sweet meanings. The next one that we will talk about, not to not to get ahead of ourselves, uh, that okay. is a very, very interesting episode to me for a lot of reasons. But um, yes, I, yes, 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 yes. I had to take to take a quick look at what. Yes, okay, yes, we will get there. But we'll yes, get there that is a fact. very interesting episode. Yes, um, good or bad, all of the audience aside. Anyway, I this episode I picked because, again, that's what I love about Golden Girls is that it's. I think that weirdness is charming initially. And then you're like, wait, huh? And I remember I talked to a friend about this episode and he was like, 
dude, I watched one episode of that and her dead husband came back and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And <laughs> I told him like, that is the beauty of that show is that it's so strange and feels anomalous, but they always find a way to come back at the end. And you're like, wait, that was great television. I loved that. Yeah. I and thought I, it was cool. I thought it was, a, I thought it was awesome. I like the fact that he's like back now and they don't really explain it. And that is like, you're kind of interested the entire time. Like, why aren't they telling me why he's back? And then right. you kind of get a little bit sad at the yes. end when no. you find out what's going on. Right. And you, you, that's, that's such a good, that's such a true point. And I think it's very, the Furiosa complex of like, you don't need to know why she lost her arm and you don't need to know why, you know, what happened and why he did this and whatever, whatever. Right. Like he gives you a touch of it, but for the most part, it's just like, nope, that's just what happened. He's dead and he came back. And like, how is Blanche going to deal with this essentially? And then it's done well of Blanche, like you feel sad and you're like, Blanche, you're being so mean to him. You're not even going to yes. hear him out. And again, it touches on that innate human intrigue and it doesn't try to divide or thwart conventions we know work. It's like when a husband or wife are fighting, we want them to make up and they do it well and they expand upon it. And it's really touching. And then Dorothy, you know, comes into her bed and consoles her at the end. And it's like, yes. I'm so glad you got to see him. And, you know, and then Sophia comes in and makes a lesbian joke. So it's the kind of thing where, you know, all they hit all the, buttons they hit all the they points. It's to. all yeah. well layered. It's, it's layered like a little seven layer bean dip. And it's, it's a real snack, a real treat. Uh, I do briefly want to touch on the what you said was the B story, which is that Sonny Bono and Lyle Wagoner are both vying for Dorothy's affections. Yes. Um, yes. Kind of a lost thing, and this is maybe <laughs> you feel differently. Maybe maybe you'd feel the same way. I feel like pre-streaming and like pre like really the internet being like an all-consuming thing in our lives. Seeing a guest star of like magnitude on a tv show mind-blowing like mind -blowing. what the fuck are they doing there like you were saying how brad pitt like shows up on friends for a brief second or right. whatever but also just like it like when the simpsons was in like in the 90s and you'd be like oh that's michelle pfeiffer doing the voice or whatever i feel like that that spark of that being interesting is gone would right. you agree oh i would me? so agree i think like even as a kid, when your whole insular world is Disney Channel and it's yes. like, that's so sweet life of Hannah Montana, like you yes. are this kind of crossover. You're like, wait a minute. Oh my God. How are they going to blend this all together? And I think even that's like a, you know, a small example, but I think that like, even then it, they don't, they, they're really good about keeping it a surprise and you don't know. And then when it happens, yes. you're like, oh my God, you're here. Like, <laughs> right. It, and I think like it goes again to that, like, you know, in that time, as uh, neither of us were alive, like these TV show people are your entertainment. They are what you look forward to. They are your friends. Like, you know, right. MASH in the old days, like Alan Alda is your friend. And I think yeah. that like for them, it's the same thing of like, oh my God, these two people that I love like are on the same show. It's, and it must be so exciting. That's such an interesting point, Noah. But it's, but it's one of those things. Well, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, but it's one of those things where I feel like when the internet and like social media became ever present, I feel like we feel so connected to celebrity and the idea of celebrity has changed so much since this episode comes out in like the late 80s, early 90s that seeing Brad Pitt on whatever show, on NCIS or whatever, you know, like who cares? Who a little bit? Because I can go online, I can go on YouTube, watch Brad Pitt clips whenever I want. I can go on Netflix right yes. now. I can watch four different Brad Pitt movies. Like I have access to this guy all the time 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not as special to see it now. And I feel like that's obviously just the evolution of things. But it is a little bit of a bummer having grown up slightly in that era of yeah. like, oh my God, you'll never guess who like might be on this episode of you know Seinfeld or you might n- know who's on this episode of Hannah Montana or whatever. Right. Like right. There is a little bit of that that I do miss. But TV and episodic storytelling has just changed so much with so much. like the internet and streaming that it, I think it's just lost that luster a little bit no, in that I, respect. I completely agree. And I think too, it's how a lot of actors get their start. Like I, totally. like Lisa Kudrow was on uh, Seinfeld and she's one of Jerry's yes. girlfriends in one episode. Yes. And for them, that's how they get these roles. And it's a huge thing for them. And like Ted Danson, I mean, cheers was him and right. that's how you get these things. And I think like, I mean, that's a big overarching series thing, but like these guest spots, these small things are memorable. Like Michelle Trackenberg and Buffy is how she got a huge <laughs> part of her thing. Like, right, exactly. Um, not to quote a Joss Whedon project on Maine, but I think that like, <laughs> um, it, it's really interesting. And I think it touches on a, in another cornerstone is that like, we are asking celebrities to take the mic and be these, you know, arbiters of social and political activism. And it's like, just be entertaining. Like, there's no way that you're going to be a good person. There's just no way. Uh, So I would much rather you just be entertaining. And like, I think at that time, celebrity, yeah, yeah, celebrities, uh, celebrity in general, if I can use it as um, the now celebrity adjective, I don't even know what part of speech it is, whatever. Yeah. Celebrity as a whole, as a concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, wait. Celebrity as... Whatever. Celebrity. So <laughs> I think... Um... <laughs> I'll, think, I'll think about it. I'll think about I'll it. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll let you know. Well, thank you so much. Um, anyone that listens to this podcast and didn't think I was going to say something stupid is really mistaken. Um, but I think that uh, celebrity as a whole is about entertainment. And we've put them in this escalon of like being stars and star, you know, like whatever and whatever. But... At the end of the day, like that was another source of gossip and you were looking into a life that was outside of your own. And we don't have that now. We just don't because you're right that we're in everybody's business. Everybody has to have the social media prowess. I have to know every single thing about them. And, you know, and like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, it, you know, who you want to uplift and what plat- people can do with their platforms and their voices is really integral. And yeah, there's important. a lot of positives to social right. media of and course, how you use of it. Course. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say like celebrities should not be politically engaged. I just think that if you are looking for them to be the arbiter of the conversation, then you're going to get disappointed. Yes, I think time. you'll be disappointed. But I do think that like, that's a sad thing that you're, what you're touching on is a sad reality of like, we don't, that's not how celebrities are anymore. They're not like no. this source of entertainment. They're not this beacon of like, yes, it's like, um, yeah, it's like, okay, I know every single thing that Olivia Rodrigo's ever thought in her whole fucking life. So it doesn't yeah. matter to me if she's on some show. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. If she shows up and you're like, oh, I guess, I guess that's cool. They got her. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. I'm glad her budget allowed for that. Like, yeah. cool. Like, even with like Kate Winslet and Mare of Easttown, which is, re- you know, relevant and on mark right now. Like, yeah. it's the kind of thing of like, I'm not shocked that she's on the show. I'm just like, oh, I love Kate Winslet. Like, it's not anything like, oh right. my God, she's on the show. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. They must have paid her. Like you said, they must have paid her exactly what she wanted. Right, exactly. And she must have wanted to do it already. It's not like, like holy fuck, how did they pull her How did they know? get her? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, in the olden days, I've been like, oh my God, they have Sonny fucking Bono on this show? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And then, honestly, I didn't even know who the other guy was, to be honest with you. Like, that just went way over my head. I literally had to be like, okay, wait, hold on. Why do we give a shit about this? No, I was guy? like, who the fuck is this guy? And then, like, he alludes to it and he's a singer. And then I'm like, uh, okay. Sorry, my friend. Sorry, don't friend. care. You never married Cher, so I don't give a shit. That's true. If you marry Cher, 
We give a shit. We give a shit, actually. We give a couple. Uh, <laughs> can we talk about the last step here? Yes. I think okay. uh, I think the time has come. And no, I want to say that I picked this one not because I... No, go ahead. I don't want to jump the gun. Go ahead, please. Okay. We'll All right. it. Drum roll, please. Last episode that we're talking about today is season four, episode eight. Brother, can you spare that jacket? Jesse, what is this episode about? No, what is this episode not about? This episode is about... True. Uh, um, Blanche gets a winning lottery ticket and puts it in a jacket of Sophia's. Sophia donates that jacket to a homeless shelter, and they realize that ticket is lottery winning, and they decide to go steal the ticket back from the jacket in the homeless shelter. Yes. Um, the whole episode is kind of a vessel to talk about homelessness and people experiencing homelessness in the U.S., and... Um, it is very um, ethnographic to the homeless experience in Miami, Florida in the 80s and the ways in which we have treated individuals that are going through homelessness. Um, done well? That, again, is for the audience. Like, the portrayal of people experiencing homelessness? Interesting. It's it's hard for us who weren't around at the time yeah. to even sniff the idea of if it was done well or not. Right. My initial reaction was and this is just based on like how i perceive the conversation how it's progressed in today's society my first thought was okay that was probably pretty good for 1987 i think so honestly I like think the fact that they yeah. were even touching on it at all is probably impressive yes i think it's a very humanizing thing and i'm sure at the time it was this kind of revelatory oh my god they're talking about this like right. they're actually not they're actually like talking about it not pretending that it doesn't exist right at all. right right and you know it's a very real reality and of course like when you watch it now it's it literally watches like a dare not to do drugs video and it's like yes! so yes. after school special and it's like very hokey slightly campy one would even say and these backstories of these people experiencing homelessness are just it's like it's very very over embellished and it's just like this is the thing but then like again though i i agree i think like for the time i'm sure it was really amazing and i'm sure people were like this is so wonderful but it truly touches on the third facet of golden girls which is there's these really heartfelt poignant beautiful moments there's these very bizarre kind of silly crazy episodes mm -hmm. and then there are these teachable moment uh sure. you know after school special kind of you know uh hands across america kind of thing and it it's very, very interesting. And I would say the fourth type is the variety shows, which are never fun. So that's why I didn't pick one. Um, oh thank, thank you for yeah, sparing me oh and my the God, audience no. from those. Any, if anyone's watching the show and they see those episodes, they are complete bullshit. Please skip them. They mean nothing. Yeah. You don't need to watch okay. them at all. Um, but, and are I, they like trying to raise money for something during the variety shows? No, or are they just like... like it's truly filler. They have no, they don't gotcha. have the budget to make another episode or maybe they do, but they don't really want to make another one. So what they will do is they will haphazardly insert a storyline into an episode where they're all just recollecting on memories that will pertain to other episodes. Gotcha. And you're like, okay. And it's like, it's a, and like, I've noticed that it's Simon, a little vacation yeah. for the writers is what it sounds yes, like. Yes. It's a vacation yeah. for the writers. And you can see like, as TV shows do it, it kind of, TV shows have really, they don't do it anymore because like, audiences hate them and right um golden girls does it like every single season and you're like oh my fucking god it's like <laughs> okay and like you just have to skip them and you're like okay i'm done but um that's the fourth kind of golden girls episode but the third kind is the kind of 
brother, can I spare your, can you spare a jacket? It's like, and you know, it's these women being put in the situation of like, you know, it's not what would Rue McClanahan do. It would, it's what would Blanche Devereaux do. And it's just like these things of like, yes, to watch it in a modern context is very strange and I'm sure probably pretty belittling. Um, But it, at the time I brought it up because I think it's, a very, very interesting depiction of what it meant to be socially conscious in that age. And sure, how to, yeah. and like, I would love to talk about the, like, I'd love to see the disparity of something about a show talking about people experiencing homelessness now and then, and to talk about like, you know, I just think it's a fascinating idea of like, there are, there are tons of episodes like this one. And, you know, when they talk about like homosexuality, they talk about queerness, they talk about race, they talk about all these issues. And that's the thing about Golden Girls that I have to, again, commend is that like, their audience is not all older people, uh, right. despite what people think, but they do know that a huge part of the demographic is older people. And those are the people that are quote unquote set in their ways. Those are the people that right. don't, that insist on not changing and they feel as though they are as socially conscious and aware as they ever will be. And I right. think they're right. very smart in appealing to these kinds of marginalized identities to being like, and they even talk about intersectionality. They like in brother, May, brother, can you spare a jacket? Um, yeah. There is a there is a person experiencing homelessness who is black, and I think they talk. He talks about intersectionality. They don't have the lexicon. They don't have that word, but that's what right. it is. Right. And it's it's having these discussions. It's talking about them. This is what you're asking for from your media. And yeah, I'm sure if you watched it now, you'd be like, "Oh, we're so far back." But right. I think it's so important, and I think it's again a smart show, not just because the writing is funny and well thought out. It's that like we understand that, you know, this is the demographic we're appealing to and hopefully we can inspire a little bit of change. And like, it's, they talk about, um, the religion as well. Like it's a very, very interesting show and that they, they cover all topics. They cover all grounds and, you know, done well, again, we could have a larger conversation, hold their podcast about that, but the time being, it's very, very thought provoking, which is really interesting. Yeah. That's kind of the big takeaway from the episode is like, if you, were able to think about it or are able to think about it in the context of this came out in the late 80s, you're probably a little bit blown away that something like this would be on network TV in 2021. It is borderline offensive, maybe. I'm not actually one to say whether it is or is not, but I have to imagine it easily could be interpreted that way. Yes. But for 1987, 1988, 1989, whenever this came out, Probably pretty like like you were saying, Jesse, gra- or you know, thought provoking, eye opening, possibly to some people. Very much like, oh, you can do this on a sitcom. Right. Like you right. can talk about a real issue on a sitcom. Right. Like right. my girls are gonna talk about homelessness on right. a sitcom. Like that's oh, probably oh. mind blowing to people. You know, right. like absolute soy face moment from the audience. So exactly, and one. again, that's why I think Golden Girls opens the that creak in the door further because like 90s shows are outright rejecting that like we're not talking about that like maybe like living single is talking about that and that's great and that's an amazing show but like you know friends is not talking about that that's they're like let's just keep making fun of people until they're in the ground and let's just like not care about who we step on seinfeld doesn't have a compassionate bone in its body like it is like you know you know like some things like seinfeld is satire but again it's not very cognizant it's not very socially conscious and there's almost this all-out rejection of those kinds of things. And I think, you know, even now we're doing it in a much more thought-provoking way and we're doing it in a really more respectful, sensitive way. Um, 
But Golden Girls is kind of opening a small door for that, being like, let's talk about this. And I'm not saying it's opening the door entirely. Four old white women are not opening the door entirely. (laughs) But I do think that there is a hand in that, like, we're talking about these messages and we understand that our demographic is one to probably not really care. Right. 100%. The... A couple of things that I do want to touch on that aren't directly related to the uh, homeless sort of like idea going on here. Yes. The auction scene in this right before they go to uh, the homeless shelter to try to get the ticket. Uh, you've got uncut gems on 1A yes. for stressful auction <laughs> oh scenes. And you've God. got Golden Girls right there. I was like, are they going to get it? What's going on? Are they going to get it? It was like, I was like on the edge of my fucking seat. And of course, as we know, they do not. They have to go, they have to try to infiltrate uh, the homeless shelter to try and get that lottery ticket. But again, I love a good auction scene. I think they're doing so some good, good writing there with so like the good. edge of your seat type stuff. It literally, and like that moment where Sophia does give the jacket away and we as the audience know that that's where the ticket is. Pit in your stomach moment. No, that's just like, yeah. oh my God, don't do it. Like You wish you could just jump through the screen and be like, no, 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 you want to help them in that moment. Yes, that secondhand embarrassment of the situational irony going on. It's like, no, no. Yes. And then it's like that disheartening moment when Blanche can't find it. And she's like, where is my lottery ticket? And you're like, no, 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 no. And yes. you feel the same way in the auction when you're like, oh my God. And like, you know, it's, and what I think they do well too. And like, we see this a lot on television shows, but like, I think they ha- they have found small facets of these characters to kind of give personality. Like, it's not these overarching things all the time of, like, Rose tells another St. Olaf story. Right, Which, right. like, does happen all the time, but there are these little moments and these little ways that these, these girls are different from one another. And it's just really... And the way they handle things is really different and interesting. And, you know, it's it's so good. It's really interesting. It's so good. We love those girls. We, we love, love that they're golden. Girls, if they were the bronze girls, hell, would be the who gives out. a fuck? Are you joking? That's what God, I'm saying. Get in the ground already. Um. <laughs> give us your golden. Give us your golden stuff, or don't <laughs> give it to us at all. I want a golden goose, or I want nothing. That's what they're saying. That's what and. They're saying. Uh, we watched some great episodes today. <laughs> we did. I uh, thank you so much for watching those uh, with me. Of course, yeah. yes. And it felt like I was imagining you sitting right next to me, being like, "That is my favorite part of this one." Uh, and I was like, "Hell yes, dude! I'm so glad you're right next to me watching." Yes, dude. But uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to oh thank God. you for bringing no. these golden girls into our lives. Thank you. Anything I can do to bring these golden girls to the lives of million, I want to say off the cuff really quick. Um, I watched that show when I was in a pretty depressed place. Yeah. And I think if anything, it provides a lot of serotonin. I know serotonin has become the next like internet buzzword, but I do think yes. that like it, it's a really wonderful show. And I think if anyone is looking for something to just feel good and make you laugh and have a great time and make you care about friends um i think in a time when we need community care it's a really nice show to watch and i would recommend it amen i will absolutely co-sign that this is a fun show this show will make you laugh this is a feel-good show and i have a feeling we're gonna be needing a little bit more feeling good uh, uh, coming up here i think with bit. our old friend delta Verion, i think we're yeah. probably gonna have to maybe uh thank you for being a friend once again <laughs> yes we're gonna have to say thank you for being for being a friend again 
Uh, Jesse Herb, thank you for being here. This is the no, part of the wow. show. This this is the reason you came on the show. Ready for this thing I'm about oh to God, say? Okay. This is the time you get to plug anything you want to plug. Holy so, fucking... plug away, plug away. Um, you can find me on all socials at sinister underscore taint. Uh, yes, know? that is my name. That is actually published in the LA Times. Thank you so much to me. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Sinister Taint. Also, uh, famously, I've made, like, two TikToks. If you want to follow me there, let's go, go ahead. Um, I'm a staff writer for Mary Go Brown Magazine, and I also contribute to Atwood Magazine. And, yeah, I'm still writing stories for them and still going off. Uh, oh, my God, I think that's that's my plug. So I don't think I have any more. I got to – I'll just say it again. You guys got to read uh, Jesse's L.A. Times Thank you piece. so much. Yes. That is just, it's phenomenal. It's just a phenomenal piece Noah, of writing. Thank you so, so much. So I'm going to make sure to link that specifically. I'll link uh, Jesse's like merry-go-round profile as well, but I'm going to link that LA Times story as well. So go to the description, check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, now I'm going to do my plug. Oh my <laughs> okay. Please, Noah, where can we find you? Please, where okay. can we find you? Okay, you can go to the show description right now and you can click on the My Favorite Link Tree. That is the link tree that gives you all the links to this so shit. This, fuck. This shows social media. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. You can't like us on Facebook because no one's on there anymore, so it doesn't even matter. Uh, you can... Follow my own personal social medias, Twitter, Instagram, I guess TikTok if you want. I'm doing some bad things on TikTok. Oh, we all are. Uh... We're, all, we're all showing our just our big asses We're showing our little TikTok. holes like Don Cheadle on TikTok. We are bringing out Don Cheadle from our little pocket and saying, <laughs> time to show your little hole for views. And he goes, okay. And he shows his little hole and I get a little excited. Don like, Cheadle yes. is going to cease and desist this podcast. Thank God. That'll be the biggest publicity this podcast ever gets is Don Cheadle saying, keep my fucking name out of your mouth. Uh, you can follow, like I said, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, whatever. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. You can listen to my other podcast. It's on the list with Noah and Mason, which when this, this episode comes out, uh, you can listen to the Noah and Mason Take Chicago episode where I went to go visit Mason in Chicago and we recorded ourselves having a little day of adventure in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, which was very fun. Uh, that is out last week as of this episode coming out. And then this week, you can listen to us talk about the short film Calabasas 12620 by Xavier Rotnovsky, which just came out. You can hear us talk about the album Outlaw by Eugene McDaniels and the 1995 feature film Living in Oblivion. You can follow Follow that show on Twitter and Instagram and listen wherever you get your podcasts and your local government on Instagram and YouTube. Very fun. Doing so comedy fun. with Fed. We That's love that. So fun. So fun. So fun. That's it. Those are my plugs. Wow. Okay, Jesse cool. Herb. That's you're me. done. I'm done. Get me out of here. Dunk me, slime me, Nickelodeon. Let's go. Right <laughs> here, here. Ready to get slimed? Are you ready to get slimed? This is go. the official sliming of my favorite podcast. Ready? <laughs>